0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Mailari. You are listening to WZBC AM Sports Radio on this fine Friday afternoon. I will be giving a quick episode right now to talk about the Red Sox. I'll also talk about some other things going on around the MLB. I'll talk about BC football for a few minutes, and then also talk about Everett High football as well. So the Red Sox have won three games in a row, took three out of four games from Baltimore the past three nights. They play a three-game series at Toronto this weekend, and then we will play the Rays at home at Fenway for three games to close out the year. Toronto currently holds the number one AL wildcard spot, so it means more to them than it means to us. Obviously, the Red Sox are eliminated already. They have two games up, and that's the Toronto Blue Jays. They have two games up on the Seattle Mariners for that first wildcard spot. It seems like the AL playoff picture will be Toronto, Seattle, and Tampa Bay as the wildcard teams. Who knows the order of them as of now? That's yet to be determined with these last six games of the season, but it seems like those are going to be the three teams being the AL wildcard teams. Baltimore, five games back of the Tampa, Bay's, Tampa Bay Rays right now for that last AL wild spot. Doesn't seem like they're going to get it. Probably over, but what a great year for that Orioles team going 80-76 and 76 in a year that no one saw them going anywhere close to over 60 wins, never mind 80, and having a chance in late September to make a run in the postseason. And as I said before, this team's set up to win for the future. The Orioles are set up to win for the future. They have a ton of money to spend since they just choose not to spend it. They can spend a ton of free agency this year. And then have the bullpen that's one of the best in the major leagues and one of the best farm systems as well. Baltimore set up to win for the future. I'm very excited to see them do big things in the future. I think they deserve it more than anyone. So some good things for the Red Sox over the last few nights. Tristan Casas, rookie for the Red Sox first baseman, has had a hit, at least one hit in seven out of his last eight games. He's 10 for 23 with three home runs, seven RBIs, 11 walks to five strikeouts. With a 435 batting average, a 618 on base percentage, an 870 slugging percentage, and a 1.487, a 1487 OPS with 8 runs scored over that 8-game stretch. So hitting 435 over that 8-game stretch, very important. I think he has his batting average up now to around 213. It was hovering around 120, 130 for a while. He's been hot over the last 7 or 8 games now, getting hits in in 7 of his last 8 games. So it's very exciting, obviously, seeing him do good things for that Red Sox team. Alex Verdugo, one of the main reasons I'll still watch a Red Sox game, is on a nine-game hitting streak right now. My favorite Red Sox play, one of my favorite plays in all of baseball. Big Alex Verdugo fan. No one brings more energy and swag and coolness and his chill vibe to the game like Alex Verdugo. No one brings that chill, low-key dog vibe like Alex Verdugo does. Big fan of him. He's been very hot as of late. Nine-game hit streak. And in September, he's hitting 298 with a 359 on base percentage, a 479 slugging percentage, an 837 OPS with four home runs, 13 RBIs, four doubles, and 16 runs scored. He has been hitting cleanup in the lineup for the last 10 games, 11 games or so now. In his last 47 games, five home runs, 22 RBIs, a 330 batting average, a 391 on base percentage, a 901 OPS, and 33 runs scored. He's been very hot as of late. Speaking of hot, Rafael Deves. In September, hitting 315 with a .402 on base percentage for the Red Sox, an .874 slugging percentage, two home runs, 21 RBIs, eight doubles in 23 games. He has moved up to second in the batting order for the last 11 to 12 games or so, hitting .333 in that spot with an .877 OPS, one home run, and eight RBIs. Xander Bogarts on the opposite end of Verdugo and, Bo- and Devis. Devis and Verdugo obviously being very hot. Bogotz has been very cold as of late, hitting just 200 over his last 11 games with a 225 slugging percentage, a 558 OPS, and two runs batted in over that 11-game stretch. His batting average is now at 309 on the season. He was competing with Aaron Judge for a while for that AL batting title, but unless he gets really hard over the next few games, it seems like Aaron Judge will be the Triple Crown winner in the AL. And... Rich Hill pitched a great game the other night. I actually went to the Red Sox game on Wednesday night versus Baltimore. I think the Red Sox won that game 3-1. to one. And Abraham Alamonte had a home run, and then also Alex Rodugo did as well. I went with a couple of my buddies, two of my mentors from Mines met at Boston. Shout out Paul and Phil. Thank you guys so much for everything. You guys are the best. I had such a blast the other night. Excited to go to a BC football game with you guys and hopefully a Celtics game as well. Had a great time. Obviously, Red Sox went too, so it's a great time. Always the Red Sox win and being with you guys makes it even better. Rich Hill pitched great that night we went. Six innings pitched, five hits allowed, no runs allowed, nine strikeouts to one walk. That could have been his last game, potentially, at Fenway. He had 100 pitches on Wednesday night, pitched very well, and if that's his last game at Fenway, closes his Red Sox career on a high note. I mean, he is a free agent after this year. He could come back, but very unlikely, I think. I think he's probably going to go to a team that can contend. Aaron Judge. Now I'm going to go to news across the MLB, so shift over to just general news in the MLB. Aaron Judge hit a 61st home run a couple nights ago now, tying the AL record held by Roger Maris, former Yankee. 61 home runs. Maris hit. Now Judge also has 61 home runs. He went his last seven games before that game, hitting that 61st home run without a home run. Seven straight games without a home run. And now he joins Barry Bonds, who had 73 home runs one year. Mark McGuire had a 70 home run season, a 65 home run season. Sammy Sosa had a 66 home run season, a 64 and a 63 home run season. All of those guys were on steroids in their years with 62-plus home runs, or 61-plus home runs, that is. Now, obviously, Marist and Judge are on that list as well, but they are not on the steroids list, both of them. Out of the steroids era, so Bonds, Maguire, Sosa didn't do it without steroids. Obviously, Judge has had such a great season without it. So some people consider Mar- Mar- uh, Roger Maris as the clean home run record, and now you can consider maybe Aaron Judge it, depending on how you feel about it. As the clean home run record, if he were to hit a sixty-second 60 home run to take that AL record. As for other news across the MLB, which wait a second before I actually get into that, I want to talk about Aaron Judge really quick. He has a chance for the Triple Crown this year: sixty-one home runs, one hundred thirty runs batted in, a three thirteen batting average, a four twenty-five on base percentage, a six ninety-six slugging percentage, a one two one OPS, so twelve or eleven twenty-one OPS, one hundred thirty runs scored, one hundred six walks. A 213 OPS plus with 384 total bases on the year. He leads the AL in all of those home runs, RBIs, batting average on base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS, runs scored, walks, in OPS plus in total bases. And then he also has 16 stolen bases on the year as well. So quite the year for Aaron Judge. I think he will be the AL MVP. But speaking of another AL MVP candidate, speaking of another one, Shohei Otani had a no-hitter through eight innings or through seven innings last night. He lost in the eighth inning has a 2.75 batting average on the year with a 3.58 a base percentage and 888 OPS with 34 home runs, 94 RBIs, 11 stone bases and 88 runs batted or 88 runs scored. He has a 15-8 record on the mound, 15 wins, 8 losses in 27 starts with a 2.35 ERA. He had a 3.18 ERA last year in his MVP season, even better this year, 2.35 ERA with 213 strikeouts to 43 walks in 161 innings pitched. With 4.95 strikeouts per walk. 4.95 strikeouts per walk. Very impressive season for Shoei Otani. I think he's right in the mix for MVP, but I think Judge probably is your MVP with being the Triple Crown winner. I should be the Triple Crown winner. Don't want to jinx him. Should be the MVP since Triple Crown winners are just so hard to combat. You you don't see that very often. So I think Judge will be the MVP even though Shohei is making a run at it. In his last 11 starts on the mound, Otani has a 6-3 record, 6 wins, 3 losses, and has allowed 2 runs or less in 10 of 11 of those starts with a 1.73 ERA, 79 strikeouts, 20 walks, and 13 earned runs in 67 and 2 thirds innings pitched. In those 11 starts, the Angels are 17-86 on the year, but finished the season strong so far. They are 17-13 in their last 30 games played, so very impressive finish to the year for that Angels team. Now, another thing across the MLB with only six games left, the NL East race is uh, finished. It's going to be right down to the wire. It's going to be a race to the finish. It's separated by one game right now. The Mets do have a one-game lead over the Braves. The Braves and the Mets actually play a three-game series, which will be the most exciting series in all of baseball this weekend, Friday through Sunday, starting tonight in Atlanta. The Mets play at home after this series versus Washington for three games at City Field. And then the Braves will play at Miami against the Marlins for three games after this series. Tonight is Max Fried on the mound for the Braves, 2-5 ERA with a 13-7 record. Versus the great Jacob DeGrom on the mound, a 5-3 record with a 2.93 ERA on the year. Saturday is Max Scherz, eleven 11-4 record with a 2.13 ERA for the Mets this year. Versus Kyle Wright, a 20-5 record on the year with a 3.18 ERA for that Braves team. And then Sunday, another good matchup. Chris Bassett, 15-8 record on the year with a 3 ERA. Versus Charlie Morton, 9-6 record with a 4.29 ERA on the year. The Mets are 7-3 in their last 10 games played. As for the Braves, they are 6-4. I think the Mets take two out of three games in this series, and I think they'd win the division the end at least by a game. I've met a few Mets fans now going out to a couple of bars. I've met a couple of them, a couple of them are Giants and Mets fans together. So obviously I'm going to be a big fan if you're a Giants fan and a Mets fan. I'm obviously a Red Sox fan. I like the Dodgers. I got like a couple of other teams too. I'm a little all over the place with my sports teams, but I am – A Red Sox fan, but I do like the Mets. My roommate, Dan, is a big Mets fan, so I'll always root for them for him. And I'm a big Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer as a guy, so I will always root for the Mets. And now I know a couple more Mets fans. So I'm rooting nothing but the best for the Mets. I think they win this division by a game. And they've also had had such a hot season, honestly, that even if they don't win the division, I still think they're going to make a run in the postseason in the NL. But at the end of the day, obviously you want to win the division, make it a little bit easier on yourself in the playoffs. So as I said, Friday through Sunday in Atlanta, I think the Braves... Will be obviously a tough matchup. The Braves are very good this year, just like the Mets. But if you look at the Mets, they've had such a great year offensively. Obviously, Pete Alonso has had a great year, hitting 40 home runs. I mean, he's been hot for the Mets over the last few years. 40 home runs, 131 RBIs, with a 268 batting average on the year for Alonso. Jeff McNeil, most consistent hitter on that Mets team, with a 320 batting average and 817 OPS, with seven home runs and 59 RBIs for the All Star from this past season. And then also Francisco Lindor hitting better this year as well. I know he struggled last year, 274 batting average with a 798 OPS, 25 home runs, 103 RBIs. And then you look at it, they're also getting really good production out of some other guys as well. Uh, Eduardo Escobar, 20 home runs, 68 RBIs. I know he strikes out a ton, 123 strikeouts in 480 at-bats, but a 291 on base percentage. And then Mark Hanna, 12 home runs, 56 RBIs, a 265 batting average, and then also a 369 a base percentage and a 400 slugger percentage and a 769 OPS. Obviously, Pete Alonso, best OPS plus on the team with a 145 OPS plus. Very good year for Alonso: 40 home runs with 131 RBIs, and as I said, a 268 batting average for him. Also five stone bases, so he's a big guy, can steal your base every now and then. So I'm excited to see what the Mets do. I hope they win the NL East for some of my friends. Shout out Phil, shout out Dan, both those guys. Big Mets and Giants fans, hoping they win it for them. But I'll also keep you guys updated on what happens there Tuesday I will be back in the studio, which my birthday is on Tuesday, so I don't know if I will be back in the studio on Tuesday night. But at some point, I will be on the, in the studio again at some point next week. Maybe on Monday or something. I might reschedule. Maybe I could come Wednesday before my other show or something. I'll figure it out. I'll keep you guys posted. But Tuesday is my birthday, so I will not be in the studio on Tuesday night. But I will keep you guys updated. As for the NL playoff picture as a whole, it is very tight. The Dodgers are 108 Wins and 48 losses on the year. 6.92 win percentage. Absolute wagon of a team. They are my favorite in the NL. My favorite in all of, in all of baseball. I think I don't know if anyone's going to compete with that Dodgers team. Although the Mets did beat them. I believe it was 2 out of 3 earlier at some point in the season. So the Mets could definitely beat them. It was a 3 out of 4. I know they took uh, most games from them in that series. They played them a couple months ago. As for some other things to look at in the NL playoff picture, the Padres hold the 2nd wild card spot right now with the Phillies in third place in the wild card standings. Padres in second, Phillies in third. And then Milwaukee's just a half game behind the Phillies. I'm hoping the Phillies make it in. They made some moves at the trade deadline to go all in. Noah Syndergaard, David Robinson, Brandon Marsh. Hoping it works out for them. I like what they did in the offseason. Obviously, on Kyle he has been struggling batting average-wise, but he's been slugging home runs for them just about all season long. So hoping he does good things for them, hoping they make the playoffs and make a run. So now I'm going to preview BC football's game against Louisville this weekend. Tomorrow, Saturday, 12 o'clock family weekend. It'll be a great game. Hopefully a good game for BC, even though I think it's going to be a tough one. It's also, I believe, going to rain at some point tomorrow. Yes, 8 a.m., 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2. There's chances of rain. Highest is 80% at 1 o'clock, 12 o'clock 60%, 11 o'clock is 60%. 2 o'clock, 70%. So we actually could be in the rain. Very tough. Maybe there's going to be more running the ball, which will not play to BC's advantage, especially with their offensive line struggling. And then if you look at it, Louisville can run all day. Louisville football can run all day, especially because I'm Lee Cunningham, a quarterback, that I'm going to talk about in just a few minutes. But it's going to be a tough game for BC, I think. BC coming into this game, 1-3 and three on the year. Louisville is 2-2. Two two. Louisville beat BC in 2019. BC beat Louisville in 2020 at home at Alumni Stadium during the COVID season with no fans. And then Louisville beat BC at Louisville last year, 28-14. to Senior quarterback Malik Cunningham is absolutely electric to watch. Very excited to see him play in person tomorrow. As for some other things to look at, Malik Cunningham... Played against BC in 2018, which I didn't remember really seeing him in person in 2018 since he was just a backup quarterback at the time, but he did have a rushing touchdown against BC in the red zone in 2018. Hit two carries to three yards and a rushing touchdown in that game, as I said, in 2018. I've been a big fan of him now for about four years, so I'm very excited to see him. Four seasons now being a fan of him, this is really my first time seeing him actually play a legitimate full game and being as big a fan as I am now since when I saw him play in 2018, didn't know too much about him since I was a freshman at BC in 2019. That's when I became a big fan. So since freshman year, is when I became a big fan of Malik Cunningham. On the areas two touchdowns passing to three interceptions with a 122 passer rating, 776 passing yards in four games. I definitely think he'll get back to airing it out. He's been running a lot more earlier this season than he did last year. This year on the ground, 56 rushes for 395 rushing yards with six rushing touchdowns and averaging right now 7.1 yards per carry. 7.1 yards per carry right now. So BC, honestly, could have their hands full tomorrow on the ground, especially if it's raining. It's going to be a lot of running for that Louisville Cardinals offense. He's like Lamar Jackson. If you give him open space and give him room to scramble and give him holes, he's going to run crazy tomorrow. He's going to run crazy. And you saw it last year. Set 173 carries on the year last year with 1,031 rushing yards and 20 rushing touchdowns with 19 passing touchdowns and 6 interceptions with 2,941 passing yards on the year last year. Ridiculous year from Malik Cunningham last year. Ridiculous. Nearly 4,000 total yards. 3,972 total yards with 39 touchdowns last year. 20 rushing, 19 passing, and 6 interceptions. Malik Cunningham is one of the most electric quarterbacks, electric players in all of college football. So I expect him to have a really good game tomorrow in 2020 had another great season, 20 touchdowns to 12 interceptions, 2,617 passing yards, 609 rushing yards to seven rushing touchdowns in 2019, 22 passing touchdowns to five interceptions, 2,061 passing yards with 482 rushing yards and six rushing touchdowns. Malik Cunningham ran all over BC last year at Louisville. 16 carries, 133 rushing yards, and three rushing touchdowns with 107 passing yards. And he did have two interceptions, though. So didn't have a great game passing wise, but did run well against BC. Maybe that plays to BC's advantage tomorrow. Maybe force him to throw a little. If it's raining, they're going to run a lot. Maybe try to stack the box, force him to throw a little more. Even though I think he's a great player when he's throwing a pass, or running a passing. He has 100 plus rushing yards in three straight games. Heading into tomorrow, so three straight games with 100-plus rushing yards. So I expect him to go from 150 to 170 rushing yards tomorrow on the ground, especially if it rains. As I said, the tele- uh, forecast right now looks like it's calling for rain. So it won't be great for BC if they're forced to have to cover him as a quarterback. Obviously, passing-wise, he can throw the ball, but now you have to have a guy covering him over the middle as a QB spy, which you're going to have to do anyways. But if it's raining, they're going to have to do it a lot, a lot more crisp because if they know he's going to run the ball, and he knows they're going to try to have a QB spy on him. He's going to find ways, find holes. Obviously, Louisville is going to game plan for that as well, especially if it rains. So I think BC to have a tough time tomorrow with that team. Louisville coming off a big win against South Florida last week, 41-3 to win last week. Cunningham is 40, 14 for 22 passing with 186 passing yards, a passing touchdown, 9 carries, 113 rushing yards with 3 rushing touchdowns in 12.6 yards per carry. As I said, the guy's electric. Absolutely electric on the ground. My prediction is Louisville wins this game, forty-four to twenty-seven. I think they cover the spread with two hundred twenty-five passing yards from Lee Cunningham. I'll go two hundred thirty-five passing yards from Lee Cunningham and two passing touchdowns with one hundred seventy rushing yards, and that is four hundred five yards on the ground and passing total for Malik Cunningham. Two rushing touchdowns, two passing touchdowns. I think he has four touchdowns total and 405 yards total between passing and rushing. I think he has a great game. I think he takes over the game. I'm very excited to see him play. As I said, he's like Lamar Jackson. This guy is like Lamar Jackson. I'm very excited to see him do big things for that Louisville team tomorrow. As I said, I'm a BC football fan, but I'm a big fan of Malik Cunningham. So I'm just excited to see him play tomorrow in person. As of BC coming off a tough loss last week to Florida State, losing forty-four to fourteen at Florida State last Saturday night, Djokovic, tough game, fifteen for twenty-three passing with one hundred five passing yards, a touchdown and two interceptions. He had seven catches and forty-five yards. Two of those, or seven of those passes going to Zay Flowers of for forty-five yards. BC allowed five hundred thirty total yards to Florida State's offense with three hundred fifty passing yards allowed and one hundred eighty rushing yards. BC only had 235 total yards on offense on their own. And if you look at it, BC is having a tough year right now. 1-3 and on the year. Only win coming against UMaine. BC beat UMaine a few weeks ago at Alumni Stadium, 38-17. Maine actually had four possessions in the fourth quarter, including, which they had four possessions in the fourth quarter, but they had four possessions between the middle of the third quarter and the middle of the fourth quarter, where they were down by two touchdowns. And they had a chance, basically, Four of their last six possessions, they were down by just two touchdowns from the second half of the third quarter to just about the end of the fourth quarter. They had four chances with the ball, down 14. So they stalled once in the red zone and then also threw an interception, I think, sometime around then and went for it on fourth down a couple times. It just didn't work out for them. But the score was a lot closer than it looked, 38-17. to Maine actually led at 1.10-7 to in the first quarter. They were led by wide receiver Xavier Scott, had a great day for Maine, Eight catches, 135 yards. Main kick return to Trevor Ewing. Had a 78-yard kick return touchdown, which was electric to watch in person. Uh, great return for him. Honestly, could have been a touchdown. He stepped out of bounds. I believe it was at the 17-yard line. Then also stepped out of the 2 or the 3. So he didn't get into the end zone. But they counted him out at the 18-yard line. But still a 73-yard return. As of BC, Ferdinand had a great game that day. 25-37 passing. With 320 passing yards, two touchdowns and no picks. Patrick Garwo, 17 carries with 78 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns on the ground with Zay Flowers catching eight receptions in that game for 89 receiving yards and a touchdown. So good game for BC against UMaine, but besides that, one and three on the air. Start of the year with a tough loss. At home against Rutgers 22 to 21 lost there then lost a bad game to Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech another night game in the ACC and then losing last Saturday night to Florida State so things have not been easy for this BC team obviously I'm hoping they get a win tomorrow but I definitely think it'll be a tough game as I said I believe my, I believe my prediction is 44 to 17 let me see yeah 44 to 44 to 27 I think Louisville wins by 17 points. Forty-four to twenty-seven, Louisville with two hundred twenty-five passing yards or two hundred thirty-five passing yards, one hundred seventy rushing yards, and four hundred and five total yards for Malik Cunningham and four total touchdowns. So, at least at the end of the day, if BC doesn't do well, I get to see Malik Cunningham play in person. As I said, he's a senior. I'm a senior, so this will be my last chance to see him play. My only chance to really see him as a starter in person. So, I'm very excited to see him play tomorrow. Anyways. One last thing I want to talk about before the end of the episode. I will be going to Everett High's football game tonight against BC High. Big game for Everett High. Coming off two straight huge wins, a combined total between those two games. They had an out of conference game, it was a league game actually, a conference game against Somerville. On Friday, September 16th, a couple of weeks ago, beating them 42 to nothing, and then also beat Lynn English another conference game 37 to nothing last week. So they're coming off two wins by a combined total score of 79 to nothing. They did a tough game against Severian, week one, 49 to 19 loss, but they were coming very well 42 to nothing win against Somerville, 37 to nothing win against Lynn English, and then we'll be playing tonight at 730 at Weymouth High against BC High. BC High is 0 3 on the year, Everett High 2 1. And BC High, obviously, I don't know what's going on with their stadium. They usually have their home games at BC High right on their campus there. But it seems like a lot of their home games are played at other sites. So this is technically uh, a game that's a neutral game because, it's, I mean, it's BC High is the home team, but they're playing at Weymouth High. So who knows how many fans will be there for BC High. But I think Everett has a great game tonight, rooting for them to do well. As you guys know from my radio show last spring, I got Rob DiLoretto, the head coach at Everett High to come on to talk about Everett High football, talk about Northeastern baseball. Absolutely great guy, absolute beast. Great to have him on. I'll have him on again at some point this year, hopefully, to talk more football and just talk sports in general. The guy is an absolute legend and a pleasure to talk to. And I went to every Northeastern baseball game and sat with him. So, Every day I will learn something new about the game of football, the game of baseball. He knows everything sports, and I was happy to have him on last year. So hoping to get him on, him again on this year, and I'm looking forward to a big game tonight for the Everett High football team against BC High. As I said, it'll be tonight, Friday, September 30th at 7.30 at Weymouth High. Everett High, 2-1 on the year. Coming off two straight big win, big wins against Somerville and Lynn English, winning those two games seventy nine to nothing, and playing against BC High, who's been struggling on the year. Which doesn't mean take them lightly, because you obviously got to play every single game and play every game, you know, regardless of what a record is. Since you can beat any guy on a given day, every dog has had its day, every dog has its day, every dog will have its day. You know, past, present, future. Anyone can beat anyone on any given day. So doesn't mean take them lightly. So hopefully tonight is a big win for Everett. Hopefully I'm back on again at some point next week talking about their big win tonight. I guess you look at it. I'm going to get Everett High. They're 2-1 right now. I'm going to get BC high, uh, BC high schedule open right now. But while I'm doing that, I'm just going to name a couple guys on that Louisville offense to watch out for. So as like I said, Malik Cunningham, a guy to watch out for, having a great season. Another guy. Tion Evans having a great year for them. 215 rushing yards with three rushing touchdowns. And then also another guy is Trevion Cooley having a great year for them. 21 carries, 111 uh, rushing yards, 109 rushing yards overall. So he did a loss of two. So 109 net rushing yards with one rushing touchdown. As for receivers to look out for, Marshawn Ford, 10 catches and 92 yards on the year. Malik Cunningham liked to throw to him a lot over the last few years. Obviously, this year hasn't gotten him the ball as much. I mean, Cunningham only has two passing touchdowns on the year. Expecting him a couple of them tomorrow. Another guy to look out for on that offense is Tyler Hudson. Their number one receiver, 18 receptions for 262 receiving yards. He's having a very good year for them. A senior wideout, 6'2", 197 uh, pounds. Had a great game against Syracuse in Week 1. Eight catches for 102 yards. And then coming off a game against South Florida last week where he had three catches for 53 yards. So he's had at least three catches in every game and over 40 receiving yards in every game. I expect him to have a good game tomorrow. And then one other guy to look out for, and this is a guy that who knows he's going to get a lot of touches, but he can be very productive with the touches he gets. D. Wiggins, six foot three, 195-pound uh, wide receiver. Had two catches of for 41 yards against Florida State. And then also one catch of 23 yards against UCF. He can hit you over the middle and and, and take a big play and make a big play out of of anything. Four catches of 67 yards on the season – with 16.75 yards per reception. So those are some guys to look out for for that team tomorrow. For Louisville, as a BC, obviously Phil Djokovic not having the best season. You're looking forward to hopefully seeing him improve tomorrow. Hopefully Zay Flowers gets the ball in his hands a ton. I think Jason Major is a very good game tomorrow. I think he is going to be a big part of that BC defense tomorrow, especially trying to stop Malik Cunningham. He's a very good tackler, so he's one guy to keep your eye on. Obviously, BC lost she Salah. A senior linebacker, pass rusher out for the year. Very tough to see him go down. Actually, one of my buddies. Really good player. Really good kid as well. Tough to see him go down with an injury. But looking forward to hopefully seeing him bounce back next year and have a great season for that BC team. Hopefully next year if he returns to the Eagles for a fifth year. But as I said, big game for BC tomorrow. Big game for Everett High tonight against BC High. And then also... Big game for Northeastern Hockey tomorrow night. So it's a stacked weekend for me. One game Friday, two games Saturday, and then the New York Giants versus Chicago Bears this Sunday at MetLife Stadium. Big game for the Giants. Hopefully bounce back from their 2-1 record. They lost last Monday night, this past Monday night, to the Cowboys. Tough game there, but hopefully the Giants recover this Sunday afternoon, 1 o'clock. Anyways, thank you guys so much for taking the time, as always, to listen to this. I will be back on, as I said, at some point this week. My show will be Tuesday nights. This show, the Primetime Sports Podcast on WZBC AM Sports Radio, will be Tuesday nights from 7 to 8 o'clock. I'm not sure if I'm going to do this Tuesday night since it is my birthday, but I am looking forward to hopefully having on a ton of guests this year. I have a lot of people lined up that want to come on and talk college hockey, talk about the NFL. I have a ton of people that want to come on, and then also I'll have my show with my friend Zach as well, Wednesday nights, 8 to 9 o'clock as well, The Playbook with Joey and Zach on WZBC AM Sports Radio. Anyways, thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this, as always. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Take it easy. Take care. Go BC. Go Northeastern Hockey this Saturday night. Go AIC Hockey. Big game for them as well tomorrow versus Alaska Fairbanks. And then also, go Everett High. Tonight, big game against BC High. Thank you guys so much for taking the time, as always. I appreciate it. I hope you guys have a good one. Have a great weekend and enjoy yourselves. Thank you.